Hey everybody, this is the Creativity and Music and Music Education Podcast. I'm Richard Maxwell, really happy that you're here listening. And this week's episode is a pretty cool one. Uh, this is a student, a current student in the Arcadia High School Creative Musical Arts and Sciences program, Olivia McGinley, and sat down with her uh, at lunch one day and just was talking about some different things that she's looking at in terms of her process uh, and the way she writes and the way she composes and the way that she's looking on to continue to evolve as an artist and a musician in general. Uh, and it's a really good insight, I think, into how a student um, very much uh, looks at their own process and the different ways things can kind of appear in one context, uh, you know, at, at maybe, say, as a freshman, um, but now as a junior, just her, her way of looking at things um, through maybe a different lens of, of having a lot more experience. Um, creating her own music and recording it. Uh, she released an album last year um, as a sophomore, which is a very ambitious goal, but she managed to do uh, an incredible job with it. Uh, no surprise for those of us who are uh, familiar with her, her work, but it's really interesting to talk to her about her perspective now on how all of that came together and how it all works. So I think you really enjoy this episode. I want to remind you that you can always hear this podcast on iTunes or wherever you might uh, get your podcast from. Please feel free to subscribe, Creativity and Music and Music Education. And you can always find more information about the Arcadia High School Creative Musical Arts and Sciences program at ArcadiaCMAS.com. And you can always find me at RichardMaxwell.net. But anyway, without any further ado, here's this week's episode, and we're talking to Olivia McGinley. I want to talk to you about last year versus this year. Not so much in like what's better, what's worse, or things like that, although I suppose we could. I was thinking more in the context of, you know, last year you set for yourself a very ambitious goal, and you wanted to... Create an album, right? Yes. And you wanted to release that album, but you wanted to be fully original. You wanted to produce it yourself and be very much involved in the whole work yeah. of it. Um, and you did it. You released Thoughts in a Journal last year. Yeah. Um, and it's awesome. Thank you. And I was very, very proud of you. And I mean, it's really good stuff. And you were a sophomore in high school, <laughs> which is kind of mind-boggling to me in a lot of ways. Like, I I have talked about you and your project last year frequently to other teachers and other people as an example of this crazy idea that we call CMAS actually can work. So I was glad you did it, but I was also selfishly glad you did it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so um, my question would be, now you're in junior year. Yes. And junior year is different than sophomore year for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Academically, I mean, just at high school and whatever. For sure. My question to you is, from a project standpoint, from, you know, if, if you can, throw all that aside, what are you looking at for junior year? Like, what's your next step or stage? Um, well, right now I have an EP in the works. Okay. Um, kind of similar to last year's plan with my album, I hope to be finished um, writing it by, like, before winter break or maybe after, but sometime at the end of second semester, beginning of, okay, um, or end of first semester, beginning of second semester, okay, um, then start recording in about January or February, um, to hope hopefully have a release date of April twelfth. Okay, so one of the things I know from last year, we talked a lot about really mapping things out in advance. Yeah, that these larger projects to get them to a certain level of of quality or listener satisfaction or, or even composer satisfaction you really want to have enough time built in um, and I think you did a really good job of that it's nice to see that that's continuing I'm wondering why an EP this time rather than a full album um 
I feel like with um, these new stories that I have to share, um, I feel like an EP would be better in this case um, because unlike my album last year, this one isn't conceptual. Um, last year my album um, had a bigger story, a bigger picture, and each song contributed to that. Um, so it was kind of a chronological sort of thing. So you were sort of locked into the songs in some respects when you decided that that's what you were going to be working with? Yeah. Okay. Um, but with the CP, I have a lot of songs in the works, and there are only five of them that are, that are going to be on the EP. Um, that's the plan so far. Um, and I was hoping to actually have a second one done as well this oh. year, but it doesn't look like that's going to be happening because of, like, the blocks I've had and, like... Okay the amount of time I've had. and Okay, so let's talk about that for a second. So you just mentioned, and I mean, full disclosure, you and I have been talking about this kind of since the beginning of this year for you, that there are just other things that are coming up academically and otherwise that are putting, you know, constraints on what you feel like you can produce. Not necessarily in a bigger picture bad way, but they are things you have to deal with, obviously, right? Yeah. So, um... Out of curiosity, how are you approaching those blocks? The one, like, I mean, some of them do you feel like you can control, some of them you can't, or is it just like this is just the way it is and I don't really have a say in any of it, I'm just kind of along for the ride? Um, yeah, probably the latter, kind really? of. Really? Okay. It's hard to control. Because some people would argue that, like, writer's block is ultimately something that we self-impose consciously or otherwise on ourselves, and if we just are willing to get past it, we can. I, I'm not sure that that's necessarily true. I feel like yeah. it's a little bit of a, you know, cop-out sometimes Yeah. Uh, to try and force things. Um, yeah. You sound like you don't feel that, like, you feel like writer's block is its own sort of, like, entity? Well, I'm definitely trying to avoid forcing my way out of it. Okay. Why? Um, if that's what you mean. I feel like I don't want any of my songs to not sound totally natural, totally me. Okay. And I feel like I can't force inspiration. Okay. Um, Has that changed for you over time? And I'm not saying that as a judgmental way. I just feel like, you know, two years ago as a freshman, you were writing a lot of material. Um, but it was, sometimes it almost felt a little bit, and we've talked about this, it almost felt a little bit like, it exists, the thing exists, and if it's imperfect, I don't care right now, because it's just, I'm so glad to have stuff that is actually out there. Are you getting more particular? Are you getting, is your process changing at all? Um, I don't think I've necessarily gotten more particular. I think it's that I've learned more that I can be particular about, if that makes sense. Like, freshman year, it was kind of like, um... Like, I wanted to make sure it, my basic concerns were, like, I wanted to make sure, like, the song flowed well, it had great structure, um, it was lyrically there, it told the story I wanted to express, um, but the more I've learned, there's more that I, that I've been particular about, if okay. that makes sense. Um, so your, your priorities in some respects are changing musically in that regard? A little bit, okay. yeah. Now, you also have a, depending on your day and perspective blessing and curse of these perfect pitch elements and the synesthesia stuff where you can see colors depending on the notes that are being played and the chords and stuff and and we've had I I think it's fascinating 
Um, but I also can imagine it must be frustrating sometimes. Definitely. Um, so how does that how does that manifest as your writing? And then what do you do with the information? Yeah, because you're getting all of this additional sensory information that most people don't receive. Yeah. How does that affect you? Um, at first, when I, I mean, freshman year, when I first found out, I was like, this is so cool. Like, this can totally benefit me. Um, but now, especially this year, I've definitely realized that it's such a big part of my block because once I, when I come up with a melody, it has that color and it doesn't matter if it's like in a good or bad key for my voice. Once it's in that color and has that tone in my head, it has to stay that color, which is a big cause of Interesting. Some, of the, <laughs> some of the block. So you have a visual element, essentially, that is almost mandating musical decisions. Yeah. And is that is that something you think you can work, like, to um, overcome? Or, or, or uh, I don't know if the word's control? I'm not... Um, I Do mean, you want to over... I mean, is it... I don't know, I mean... I, I like the perspective it kind of gives me. Okay. I think it's kind of, it's fun to have my songs, like, have their own little colors in my head. Like, it's fun to be writing a song in, like, bright blue. Um, or it's fun to be writing a song in yellow. Okay. Um, which are often, like, D and E signatures. They're just, like, really happy. Okay. Um, so I feel like if I change the key, it changes the entire mood. And I'm under this impression that everyone's going to notice but not everyone has this kind of sensory perspective. So that's very know. interesting. <laughs> so your 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 sense of how it might impact or work doesn't necessarily relate to how it actually does impact and work. It's more of a matter of like you sense it a certain way, so it's hard to not think the audience will. Yeah, exactly. Does that also affect, like, I'm wondering, like, like, because I'm so fascinated by this, and I don't have it, so I have the luxury of being fascinated by it without any of the issues <laughs> it clearly causes you. Does it, um, like, let's say you play a chord, and a chord has a particular color, and then you play another chord, do those colors with a different color, do those colors mix? Or is it like a, is it like a full frame, like everything's that color and then suddenly everything's another color? Or is it like more like a swirling kind like, I'm just wondering like how it manifests visually in your mind's eye, if you will. Well, um, on a, it's kind of broad. Um, it mostly has to do with key signatures. Um, when you're playing, when I hear a song in a particular key, I'm not focusing on the individual chords so much. Um, like the key of B is green. Um, so anything so, in the key of B is going to be green or some variation on green. Yeah, but if you're playing a chord that's in B, but it's also in another signature, right? It'll be the color of that other key signature. Interesting. Likely. Do you see them like simultaneously? Like, do you see multiple colors, or is it just one color at a time usually? It's usually just one color at a time. So, having no real basis for this hypothesis I'm about to say, <laughs> other than my own sort of I wonder if, what if you could train yourself to view them as multi multicolored 
things, I wonder if that would allow you to get past the block so that it was kind of like, okay, so, and I'm going, I don't, I don't know if the colors I'm about to name actually would fit together harmonically, if you will, <laughs> but like, let's say, you know, one thing's blue and another element is red, and then when they come together, would they make some kind of like purplish bit in the middle, but there's blue on one end and red on the other sort of thing so that it's not, it has to be blue or it has to be red. I'm thinking about your, your, your analogy earlier where you said, you know, you have a melody and then once it's in that color, it sort of just, it stays in that color. You know, I was wondering if there's a way to blend the pigments, if you will, of things. Um, I mean... Or does that make your brain go, er, and then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, usually the colors are pretty separate. Okay. Um, I've never thought about intentionally mixing. Right. Like, it, it just, uh, like, I don't do anything to try to control it. It just kind of sure. happens and I let it do okay. what it can. <laughs> right, no, and, 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 and that may be, that may be good. I mean, I don't have, like I said, I have the luxury of only being fascinated by this and not being affected by it, so I can... <laughs> throw out weird hypotheses just cause. Um, so so let me ask you this, because unfortunately we're gonna run out of time here way sooner than I want to. But, so what are some things like, you know, we've established there is a block of some kind. Um, one of them is this synesthesia issue where you sort of feel locked into things. And beyond somebody saying, well, just get over it and don't look at the colors or blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> but do you have, like, methods or um, resources or tools that you use, mechanisms, if you will, to um, account for it, adjust for it, change it, anything? Is there any sort of, like, process you're using to... Um, really, the process is kind of... Well, I was gonna say that it, like, it's about what I can do to enhance the color. Okay. But now I don't know if that's entirely true. Um, but, I mean, if something, like, for example, doesn't, if a song's in a key, but it doesn't really fit my range, um, I'll try to change it. Like, I'll experiment around, but if something's in light blue and then it changes to red, like, that just doesn't work at all. It doesn't click. Okay. So. so extreme color variations. Yeah. It so bothers you know, it's, me. it's interesting though. So like, there are theories from various songwriters um, that have been very successful that they'll talk about this idea that the song kind of is already existing, and they're just sort of pulling the pieces out of the ether, if you will, or whatever it is, so that we can hear it. But that it already exists, and the writing process is more about attributing all of the various elements in such a way that, oh, this all goes together now. Um, I'm wondering, is it possible in your case that if we extend that further, that certain songs and certain melodies, they are in the color they're in? And part of your job as the writer is to like, it's almost like in the same way we'd have to identify a particular song in a particular way. Yeah. Is it possible that we could maybe be identifying those songs and say, okay, well, this one has to be that, so now once I've found that, then everything else sort of takes shape. Like, like you're, 
I don't want to say you're a more like like your process would be theoretically more passive, but just the idea that like the song is the color it is. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like like do you feel like you've ever been able to change the color? Um well, without feeling like you're forcing it to change? Actually, yeah, a little bit. I guess it sort of I did this with Pinky Promise actually. Okay. Um the recorded version is in D right. and it's light blue. And now I play it live in E, just because it's easier, and it's yellow, and... Does that bother you? Um, it did at first, a lot. Okay. But then I actually kind of got used to it, and I kind of, as the song kind of grew with me, and, like, the with the way the story progressed, um, it sort of started to make sense. Okay. So. So, so that to me, I mean, again, observationally... That to me sounds almost like if given enough time and the circumstances around, I mean, because it's a good song, you like the song, you feel connected to it, so maybe you're more willing to be a little more experimental, I'm thinking, with yeah. that yeah. part of it. Is it possible that some of these other things are similar? You know, maybe. so. Well, that's in a, you know, I don't, I don't know, that's in a light green color. I don't really like the light green color as a key signature, but at least I can have the song be what it is and then maybe shift it later and, oh, it's not light green now, now it's purple. Or I, I mean, I'm, again, I'm randomly calling colors. I have no idea what I just, like, the transposition I just created, <laughs> I have no idea. Right. Uh, just out of curiosity, what is light green? Um, it also sort of depends on the song as okay. well. There's a Paramore song that okay. I can think of right now that's that pretty kind of light green color. Okay. What about purple? Oh, man. I'm not trying to quiz I you. I was just I literally <laughs> got curious, like, what did I just yeah. create harmonically in your head oh, based man. on those colors? I don't really hear a lot of purple. Okay. Like, that's deep purple, I think I've only heard maybe a couple songs. Really? Yeah. That in and of itself is kind of fascinating. <laughs> okay, I got one last question for you. Yeah. Um, and it's related to the color thing. Have you ever looked at a piece of art, visual art, and taken the colors that are in the piece of visual art and used that as the basis for the music you create? I've never used it as a basis, but I have looked at um, like works of art or even just anything. Like once I looked at a brick and thought, <laughs> "Wow, this is C sharp. That's so cool." So I took a picture of it to show my friend, like, this is what color this, this is the color this song is. And it's a brick that you yeah, saw on a wall. Yeah, it's just a brick. That is both awesome and hysterical. <laughs> that's really, that's amazing. We need to talk more about this. This is really cool. Um, and unfortunately, though, we're out of, we're, in fact, we're so out of time, I'm going to have to write you a pass so you don't get in trouble for your next, your next class. Um, Thanks for coming in and talking. Let's do another one of these because yeah. I really want to continue doing this. This is great. And I'm glad sure. you're having a good junior year here and, and all the stuff that's going on and, and you've been doing some great gigs and performances and stuff and I can't wait to hear the new EP. Thank you. Thank you. Alright, so there you go. Another episode of the Creativity and Music and Music Education podcast. I want to thank Olivia for coming by and talking to me over lunch one day about her process and how it's evolving and changing and what her goals are and her perspective on being in the program. It's always great to talk to students and to get a sense of where they're at and you're going to hear a lot more of that in the coming weeks, months, and years. I have no doubt on the podcast as we continue to move forward on that. You can always hear the podcast for free on iTunes or wherever you might uh, get your podcast from. You can also hear it from the recording archive directly at ArcadiaCMAS.com where you can always find more information about the Arcadia High School Creative Musical Arts and Sciences program and 
As always, you can reach me at richardmaxwell.net. I want to thank you again for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and we will see you again next time. Bye-bye.